Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Kelsey Tamburino. Russia's invasion of Ukraine has managed to do something that's pretty unique these days in Washington. It's very rare in Washington to see an energy policy that really united the parties very quickly. But they came at it for different reasons. And I think this really is a partnership of convenience, at least that those are the early signs. That policy, banning Russian oil imports, was part of President Joe Biden's executive order announced earlier this week and part of a bill that the House passed later on Wednesday with overwhelming bipartisan support. See, each party hopes the blocking of oil and petroleum products will benefit their larger policy agendas, even if those agendas are polar opposites. Today, Politico's Josh Siegel breaks down how long this unity could last and how it could impact domestic energy policy moving forward. It's Friday, March 11th. So, Josh, Democrats and Republicans are united in blocking Russian oil imports, and there's hope that this policy will benefit their larger agendas. On the Democratic side, what do they hope to gain? So on the Democratic side, I mean, in the House, they were very eager to pass a bill, despite the fact that the Biden administration did finally act after a bipartisan clamor. And Congress didn't have to do anything here, but Speaker Nancy Pelosi thought it was important to send a bipartisan message, a kind of rally around the flag of this is hitting at the heart of Vladimir Putin's economy. You know, they know that there's some risk in that fuel prices are top of mind for people. And anytime you're cutting off global supplies at a tight market like this, even though the U.S. is not a big importer of Russian oil and petroleum products, you could see prices rise further. They just see that as inevitable. So they're like, let's take this on. The pros outweigh the cons here. They're also, you know, very eager to kind of shift messaging as far as really blaming Putin for the price rises that we're seeing and saying this is the Putin price hike. They're, they're kind of taking it on and they feel like there's not a lot of downside in approving in supporting a policy like this. Yeah, what about the Republican side? How does this policy benefit their agenda going forward? Yeah, for Republicans, it's really a sweet spot. First off, it allows them to be Russia hawks, which the party did get a little bit away from when President Trump was in power. And they get to say, why do we need Russian oil when, you know, the United States is the biggest oil and gas producer in the world? They feel like the Biden administration has inhibited that from being true going forward. And they want to really use this opportunity to push domestic oil and gas production, even though we are seeing U.S. production pick up here in response to high prices as the pandemic is easing. And at the same time, them being on this bill could maybe protect Biden from being blamed for high gas prices. But they'll say prices were rising before Russia's invasion of Ukraine and that the president ultimately has to own it, the broader inflation problem. So yeah, I mean, there's really not much politically wrong for Republicans. I mean, this is is kind of an easy vote for them. Mm -hmm. This unity we're seeing between Republicans and Democrats on blocking Russian imports of oil, it has its limits, of course. What are those limits and how long do you think this type of unity could last? Yeah, it it did feel like a partnership of convenience here. I mean, we're seeing Republicans really up the rhetoric. I mean, they already were supportive of fossil fuels. And even as they've kind of shifted in recent 
years to say climate change is a problem that we should be addressing. You're not seeing as much talk about climate change. And when you are, it's exporting natural gas. So let's boost that to displace coal abroad, which, I mean, there's an element of truth to that. But there's not a lot of talk about how can we reduce fossil fuel use here in America and then in a, on the Democratic side, you know, a lot of Democrats are supportive of the language of the Biden administration of we're in wartime footing, like let's get off the sidelines, producers. But they really are using this as like, let's get at the problem here. And yes, I mean, we don't want to be subject to Russian oil and, and petrostate leaders who are bad actors. You know, the way to stop that influence is not only the U.S. producing more, but it's just, you know, getting out of the, the fossil fuel business and, and really shifting here to, to clean energy and electric vehicles. But on the flip side, is there any other partnerships of convenience we could see? Could we see this extend to any other uh, agreement on energy policy? Yeah, I mean, I think there are some members, to be fair, who see an opportunity for a grand bargain, who see this nexus of energy security and climate change really being highlighted that we could attack these two issues. We saw Senator Bill Cassidy out of Louisiana, a Republican. He released an energy and climate plan on Wednesday that he's pitching as bipartisan. You know, Representative Nancy Mace is an interesting example. She's a Republican out of South Carolina who's very uh, conservative, who's tried to appeal to Trump as she's trying to fend off some primary challenges here. But she signed on to a bill with Ro Khanna, a Democrat out of California, that would not only ban Russian oil, but force the government to invest in renewables and replace that energy, the Russian oil and gas, with carbon-free sources in an attempt to be totally carbon neutral. So yeah, there are some sprinkles of, of bipartisan conversation happening. Also, Senate Energy Chair Joe Manchin is floating the idea of using the Defense Production Act to ramp up domestic oil and gas output and combat skyrocketing energy prices following the ban of Russian energy imports. During a Senate Energy Committee hearing on Thursday, Manchin said, quote, that's the only thing I know that we can use to have the urgency that we need. He asked witnesses at the hearing for their opinion on whether the federal government should invoke the act to rapidly increase production, but they largely declined to weigh in directly on the topic. Manchin's office didn't immediately respond to Politico's questions on a potential proposal using the act, but a bipartisan group of House lawmakers wrote to President Joe Biden on Thursday about such a proposal. The lawmakers also called on Biden to invite U.S. oil producers to the White House to discuss ways to increase production and to make a long-term purchase agreement to increase the supplies held in the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our newsletter at politico.com slash morningenergy. Some of the music in today's show was composed of the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Carlos Prieto and Raghu Manavalan edited this week's podcast. Normal Malaykul is the podcast producer. Jenny Ament is the executive producer of audio at Politico. Our editors are Matt Daly and Gloria Gonzalez. I'm Kelsey Tamburino, and we'll see you back Monday. Did you know that Chevron is working with partners in California to convert the methane from cow waste into renewable natural gas that, one day, can help fuel trucks across the nation? Find out more at chevron.com forward slash RNG.